Kathy uses her years of experience and dedication to guide you through the world of estate planning, probate, wills, and more. Now here's your host, Kathy Rue. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello. I am happy to welcome everyone here to It's the Law with Kathy Rue. This is my second radio show, but my first radio show where it's just totally me, and I want to invite everyone out there listening to join me to talk about the law, and feel free to call in or email if you have any questions, and um, I've got two wonderful people here with me today to help me along since this is my first show. Uh, I've got Kevin Ebling. Hello, how are you? Pretty good. How are you, Kevin? I'm good. It's good to be back in studio yeah, with you. Yeah, good to say, have you. This is a very exciting moment because you and I have gone back and forth on the radio for yes. years now, but this is the first time where I'm on the other side and it's your show and I'm just I'm very excited to be on your first show. Yes, we've swapped seats yep. and it is a challenge <laughs> and it's exciting. So we'll see what happens. We're both looking forward to it and think it, we think it's going to be a great show. I also have Zach Lewis here with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you're here. And we are going to do this show. We're going to do it awesomely. And we are going to talk (laughs) about the law. Mm. We've been talking about the law for a while. Um, all kinds of different stuff over the years, because I know you're an expert and you've done all kinds of you know, I don't, I don't want to give away your whole bio. Why don't you tell your listeners a little bit about you? Yeah. Sure. I'm happy to share some information about myself. Um, I am from New Orleans originally and uh, graduated from LSU Paul M. Hebert Law Center and uh, worked at Southeast Louisiana Legal Services for 12 years in New Orleans doing poverty law. And that was really exciting. It was challenging. Uh, got to meet a lot of people, worked in different units there, practiced housing law, consumer law, um, just did a plethora of cases. And then after Hurricane Katrina, relocated here to Northeast Texas. And I am living in Grapevine now. That's where my practice is. So if you want to come and visit me, feel free to come to my Grapevine office. It's at 1452 Hughes Road, Grapevine, Texas. And I have been practicing law here in Texas since 2006. Opened my business in November of 2006. And I'm a solo practitioner. And I've just been practicing different in different areas. Mostly the areas I practice in or wills, probate, guardianship, elder law, trusts. Um, But I also practice in other areas. So I do landlord-tenant, I do consumer protection, I do divorce, family, child support, child custody. I also do IRS tax controversies. So I do have a general civil practice, and the only area of law that I don't practice in is criminal law. So anything civil on either the state or the federal level. That's one thing I was going to ask. From the sons, is there any kind of law you don't, you don't know how to do? I don't do criminal law. You don't do criminal. I don't do criminal law. I may help out with an occasional traffic ticket, uh, some municipal cases, but no criminal law. So that's pretty much it. And I've served on just a ton of uh, bar associations, both with the Tarrant County Bar, uh, the Tarrant County Probate Bar, the Dallas Bar Association. Wow. I've sat on a lot of committees. I've chaired a lot of committees. I've sat on a few boards, met some really wonderful people, and just helped build and expand the legal communities in the the DFW area. And here you are. And here I am with my own show. <laughs> Lucky me. Yeah. Who can what, ask for more? What can we expect today? What are we going to, what, what's your topic du jour? 
topic du jour. That's a term. Uh, that is a term. <laughs> <laughs> she always has a topic of the day. You know, yeah. usually we'll focus on elder law or probate. I, I like that. That's true. Uh, probably estate planning just to start things off since estate this is planning. my first show that's probably going to be your foundation in terms of your building block as it pertains to your estate. So just some general estate planning All issues. Right. I have some Start more insight than Zach. He knows nothing about estate planning. No, no, no. I wanted, I wanted so to jump in on a, this. He's a blank canvas. Exactly for that. I'm curious. You know, I'm a young guy, <laughs> 24 years old. To me, estate planning seems like one of those things you do way down the line. You know, I'll worry about that way later. Is that something I should worry about now? I don't know anything about it. I think there's a, it's a common misconception. I think I've learned... That there are several things that I should probably start doing now that I'm not. All right. Yes, Kevin and I have been down this road. Yeah. Um, it's not something far off, Zach. So even at 24, and I'm speaking to all the younger generation out there, um, X, Y, Z, all of you guys, yeah. uh, get an estate plan in place. It can be very, very simple. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to cost you a fortune. The cost can be very minimal to you. But there are four core documents that everyone, every adult needs to have in place. So, Zach, you, for instance, even at 24, you can have a very simple will, a power of attorney, a medical power of attorney, and a physician's directive. If you've got those four documents in place, you're good to go. Really? Yes. And those are the four core documents that every person, every adult, female, male, should have in place. When my son graduated from high school, he turned 18, and right when he turned 18, you know, I sat him down. I said, hey, look, you really need to get these documents done. You're yeah. 18 now. You're an adult. If something were to happen to you, your dad and I have no way to get to your medical information. We have really very little authority over you because you're an adult. Really? Yes. So you need to do a simple will. You need to do a financial power of attorney so that your dad and I can make decisions for you or whatever person you choose. Just so happens for my son, it's going to be either me or his dad right. or, or going to serve as his sure. agents. But um, for medical power of attorney, same thing. And then, of course, for a physician's directive, that's the document that you put in writing your wishes in terms of how you want to be treated if you have either a terminal illness or um, an irreversible condition. You know, I got to be honest, this seems like one of those things that I should probably have learned in college or high school or something, because, uh, you know, that's like when you're 18 and it's important. Well, yeah, I don't want to throw Zach under the bus or anything, but I was going to say, I'll venture to guess that not only do you not have any of these four core documents, but you don't know what they are. Uh, okay, flip uh, flip side, <laughs> do you? Do you have these things knocked out and ready to go? You know what? Okay, that's, that's a fair... Uh, yeah, see, and you've actually been doing this for a while. You've been you've been doing the dance. Okay, I, I do not have I a don't will. Either. I'll be honest. I, I don't even know what those other things are. So, I, I, yeah, I might need a little help with that. I just, I, I feel like that's one of those things, you know, I, I'd worry about later. I'd be fine. It's hard to believe that these are things that your, your immediate family can't get a hold of, these resources, after something, if something were to happen to you. And it's yeah. worse for me, because I'm, I'm in my 30s, you're in your 20s. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the problem. That's the difficulty of it. You never know when that unexpected event is going to happen, because it's unexpected. Of course. So, you never know when you're going to be in a car accident. Um, you know, my son was skateboarding at one time. He was... Um, you know, cycling, just doing what I would, as a mom, <laughs> what I consider risky The activity. things that drive you crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> did you, have you, do you have your pads on? Do you have your helmet on? Right. <laughs> no going down hills. <laughs> yeah, take it easy. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff hovering over him. But anyhow, 
um, you know, those are the kind of activities that involve some risk and involve some injury. And so just driving, just driving your car, you don't know when you're going to have a car accident no, and get injured. Um, so just routine things that we do daily, uh, we get used to doing those things and we minimize the risk of them. But you just never know when you're going to have an accident or when you're going to get ill. And you're going to need someone to act as your agent. Right. And so that's what those four documents allow. They allow access to your bank accounts. They allow access to your medical information. Uh, if you're renting an apartment, you know someone can pay your rent on your behalf, those type of things. And you know, help make decisions until either you recover or... You know, right. You don't. I, under, I understand I'm over the age of 18 and I'm like my own legal guardian at this point, but I would assume if something were to happen, that would go to like my parents or my sister or something like that. But that doesn't happen. These, these are documents I have to assign to these individuals. Well, not necessarily. You know, this, and, and that's one nice thing about living here in the state of Texas. The mm. state of Texas has laws in place where if you don't have these documents, uh, the state law will determine how your estate is distributed. Mm. So the state will determine whether it goes to your parents, any children that you have, your siblings. Right. The state has the state law has a hierarchy set up, and it says if you don't have a will in place, we will determine who your heirs are, and we'll distribute your estate to your heirs. Some people think, and this is a fallacy. That's it's not true. Some people think. Oh, if I don't have a will, the state of Texas is going to take my property. No, the state of Texas will not take your property. That mm. is incorrect. Right. But they do have laws in place that tell how your property should be distributed. Right. We are up for a break right now. So I there's more to come. I would love for you to stay with us. Keep listening. And it's the law with Kathy Rue. It's the law with Kathy Rue continues next on RNCN. Real estate moves fast and technology needs to be able to keep up with it. If agents and home buyers aren't able to communicate in real time, opportunities can swiftly be missed. With Reallocator, the communication gap has finally been bridged. Hi, I'm David Mays, co-founder of Reallocator. I've been a real estate broker for the past 10 years and came from the frustration of buyers not being able to reach agents instantaneously. So that's what we created on demand. Potential buyers now have the ability to immediately connect with a nearby agent, making the home buying process quick, easy, and convenient. Reallocator is free to download. Just grab your smartphone, open the app, see available agents in your area, and connect instantaneously. Reallocator is also the perfect tool for any real estate professional. For real estate professionals, it's a lead generating monster because you know you could be at the office doing paperwork and you're gonna be able to generate these leads in real time. Download your free version of Reallocator on the Apple iTunes store today or visit the website at www.reallocator.com. When it comes to bullying, don't validate, eliminate. Adults have the power to stop bullying in our schools. I'm Dennis Van Roekel, president of the National Education Association. It's up to us as educators, as parents, as adults, to stand up on behalf of bullied kids. Help us create safe, bully-free learning environments for all students. One caring adult can make all the difference. Be that adult and take the pledge at nea.org bullyfree A message from the National Education Association. 
I am Danny O'Connell. I'm a partner at Benefit Resource Group, a family-owned boutique insurance agency. BRG is one of the leading boutique agencies here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Our mission is to add value to our clients and employees' lives through creative insurance solutions. When you start going upstream to a regional or even a national type provider, the decisions over who they're going to work with and where they're going to place their business is decided around a boardroom. A lot of times, they're not always aligning with the best service provider in the space that you actually need. Numerous times they've already made an agreement and that service provider may take for granted the service that they actually have to deliver to the client in the end. And they may not always be the best in your area for your situation. Being a boutique, we are independent. We have the flexibility to go out and find the right solution specific to you. It's always a good time to sit down and speak with one of our agents. You can reach us at 214-750-7557. And you can find us on the web at brg-tx.com. We're asking folks about marriage. Marriage makes me think of sports. You know, teamwork, dedication. Okay, let's see what people say. Let's say your marriage is a sport. What sport would it be? Basketball. Surfing. You have to be a team sport. A lot of back and forth. A lot of people watching. So how many people are influenced by your marriage? Hundreds. You really think about the ripple effect. It's like a wave. (laughs) Want to improve your marriage? For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org and message from the Catholic Church. Hi, this is Nate Dodson of the Dodson Legal Group. We are a team of attorneys out to ensure that all clients are put in the best position possible. We found that attorneys in the market fail at providing ongoing information and updates to their clients, and we work diligently to be the better option in keeping our clients informed as their cases move forward. For a free consult, please call us at 469-317-3330. That's 469-317-3330. In recent months, some have lost faith and trust in those who protect us. Frustration has blurred our vision, but we've faced challenges before. Operation Blue Shield is a new movement to help communities have productive conversations directly with law enforcement and first responders to listen and heal. I'm all in. I'm all in. We're all in. Stand united with us at OperationBlueShield.com. This time, it's for all of us. My name is Ernesto Miranda with Walker Miranda Design Studio Principal. We are a commercial and high-end residential interior design firm with architectural capabilities. We do anything from restaurants, multifamily, commercial office, and retail. A lot of design firms tend to have a signature look. We don't. We really take our clients' brands seriously. It's really important for us for our clients to have that signature look. That's what we create for them. For more information and a free consultation, visit us at walkermiranda.com. You can also reach us at 214-680-7202. Listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio. Broadcasting with the power of attorney. You're listening to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. Everyone, thank you for tuning in and listening to me today. This is my new show. It's called It's the Law with Kathy Rue. I also have with me today Kevin Ebling and Zach Lewis. Thanks. And before we left for break, Zach and I were talking a little bit about estate planning and basically what documents you should have in place. And we discussed how everyone, every adult should have their four core documents in place, which is a simple will, a statutory power of attorney, a medical power of attorney and a physician's directive. All right. 
So three of those things I don't know about. Statutory power of attorney, medical power of attorney, and physician's directive. Medical and, and physician's directive kind of sounds similar. So what do I need to know? Well, you need to know that you should definitely read the documents. <laughs> that is important. Read the fine print. All read right, the I can documents get before yeah. you yeah. sign them. That's important. But even and, if I read it, I don't know if I'm going to understand it. That's yeah. just me. No, that's true. Yeah, that, well, it all seems like mumbo jumbo for me. I suppose that's why we have attorneys. Yeah, and that's it can. true. Yeah, exactly. Don't take away my job. People go to school yeah. for this. You, know, exactly. you guys need yeah. me to explain these documents to you. Mm. So basically, you know, you have your financial power of attorney or your statutory power of attorney. And what that document does is it allows you to appoint an agent to handle your business affairs. And you can make the document work one of two ways. You can make the document effective immediately when you sign it, or you can make it conditioned on an event happening. And that's considered a springing power mm. because it springs into effect only if this condition happens. Usually the condition that's stipulated in the document is that you're disabled or you've been determined incapacitated. Right. And in a, under those circumstances, that's when the document would become effective and that's when your agent would be able to act as your agent and manage your financial affairs. Sure, kind of like signing up for a, a do not resuscitate kind of thing or an organ donor on your license. Yes. Yeah. And there's a laundry list in the document of powers that you grant your agent and you can um, keep all of those powers if you'd like, or you can scratch out some of them and limit the powers you want to grant to the agent. But basically, that document is going to allow your agent to do business for you. All right. Things like, you know, transfer real estate, open and close bank accounts. Right prepare and file tax returns, sell real property. Now, while this enables them to do that kind of business, does that mean they are now the owners of that property? Or is that still somehow no, retained no, to myself? They're just your agent. Gotcha. That's what the document says. They're only your agent. They don't right. have any ownership. Um, and so they are acting in what's considered a fiduciary capacity. Fiduciary. And that's a big fancy word that means <laughs> trust. Yeah. They're acting in a capacity of trust. You are trusting them with your financial affairs and they are their duty is to act on your behalf and in your best interest. Mm. So they're merely a no, I wouldn't say merely, but they're they're basically a, a servant, sort of speak. Sure, like a, like a realtor selling a house. So similar, yeah. similar to okay, that. Kind of, yeah, kind of similar. I, I have a quick, quick question, if I if I may. Please, yes. Um, now I'm I'm like I said, I'm, I'm a little older than Zach. In my early 30s, I'm still unmarried, no kids. But when I, you know, hopefully someday, when that does happen, what kind of things do you need to have in place as a parent when it comes to your children having possible power attorney power of attorney over you? That's a good question. Once you start having kids, of course, your life gets a little bit more complicated. Um, happily so. And basically, in that situation, you're going to need a bit more planning for your kids. So, for example, in your will, instead of it being a simple will, you would want to include a testamentary trust for your children because they're under the age of 18, so they're not adults yet. So if something were to happen to you and you were to leave them any type of property, you would want to leave that property in a trust for them and have someone manage the trust, either their mom, a sibling, someone that you have a good, strong relationship with, and someone that you trust. Does that person who manages the trust have any power over it? Yes, they have fiduciary duties as well. 
and they're responsible for managing it uh, on behalf of the child and making sure that, you know, if there's any money in there, it's properly invested, that the property, if it's real property, it's maintained, the taxes are paid, um, you know, those type of issues. Okay. So, and then basically they just manage the property and control it. They distribute it according to the terms of the trust to the child for the child's health, welfare, education, shelter, those type of things. What kind of options do you have as far as different kinds of trusts? Well, you can have the testamentary trust that I just described, and those are going to be in your will. And then you can also have what's considered a living trust. And I get some calls from people wanting to know more about living trust and want to inquire about that. And those are basically where you you transfer property that you own into a trust while you're still alive, and the trust becomes the owner of the property. And so that gets a little bit more complicated. There's some advantages and disadvantages of using those, and we can talk about that in, in another show. But that is one tool of estate planning. And it should be considered because there it may be more beneficial to a person to use than not. Now, so. when a parent has a child, right, it's easy to just – well, it seems easy to just kind of uh, make sure if anything was to happen, uh, they would get resources like that. When the child becomes 18, though, when they become – legally their own individual, do they need to file any kind of different forms to make sure everything goes to them? Or is that, uh, I mean, does that go up in the air? Do those trusts just kind of cease to exist? What happens there? Well, the testamentary trusts don't because if you're a parent and you're setting it up, it's part of your will. So it's not going to go away and it's not going to change unless you actively change it before your death. Hmm. Um, And then you can put in the trust what age you want the trust to end. For example, you may establish that the the trust will exist until the child reaches 35 Hmm. or until the child reaches 21. You can designate when you want the trust to end and when you want the final distribution or the corpus of the trust distributed to the child. So those are some of the terms that you have control over and that is within your decision-making power when you're doing your estate planning. What about in the living trust? In a living trust, you're generally going to set up a beneficiary in your living trust. And you would title, if you owned a house, you would title your house into the trust. It would no longer be in your name. And so you would have someone who's the beneficiary. It could be your child. It could be someone else. Uh, And if anything happened to you, that person would get whatever is being held in the trust. I suppose now I understand the term trust fund baby. I guess that makes sense. All right, so I've got an off-the-wall question for you. My parents aren't, uh, I suppose, let's let's suppose, hypothetically, my parents aren't big believers in doing things through the state. You know, if, if, if a person uh, passes away, if something would have happened, things should probably move quickly. You know, you don't want to get caught up in any kind of jurisdiction issues or anything like that. So my parents said at one point to me, you know, instead of just signing a, a will or anything like that or worrying where, where our money's going to go, we'll just give you our password to our bank account online. And if something happens to us, you can just you know, transfer to you and you're on your way. Now, that doesn't sound like there the best be, way. Right. doesn't sound like the best way to go about this. So what do you think about a there situation like that? There has to be some like legality question. I yeah, mean, I mean, uh, that just, yeah, that sounds a little sketchy. So what do, you, what do you think about that? And is, you know, what would you recommend is as, as a better planning? course of action? Yeah. It's, it, well, it is planning of a sort. It is, it's indeed. It's not the yeah. best planning. It's like disaster planning. <laughs> it's not the planning. most optimal planning, particularly if you have siblings. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they would have something to say about that. <laughs> but, would you? 
do. <laughs> right, yeah. I do. Yeah, so probably the best thing to do with a bank account or some other account that's created with a third party is to establish a beneficiary designation. And usually that happens when you're setting up the account. For example, if you went into your bank and you wanted to open a savings account or another checking account, there's usually a signature card that they give you to sign. And on that card, and sometimes it's not necessarily a card, sometimes it's a sheet of paper, but because it was originally labeled as a card, it's still referred to as a signature card. But in any event, that form will allow you to designate who your beneficiary is if something happens to you. So if you were to get in a car accident and something were to happen to you, you didn't survive, you would you could put that you wanted your parents to be the beneficiary on your account. Hmm. And then that way the bank would know that it's payable on death to your parents right, and, and that takes care of it. And the other thing about it in, in the state of Texas is bank accounts, life insurance policies, CDs, uh, retirement accounts, those are all assets that are created by a contract with a third party. So those assets are not going to pass pursuant to the terms of your will. They are going to pass according to your beneficiary designation. Right. So that's why it's really important, even if you have those accounts set up, contact the third party. If it's a bank, if it's a life insurance company, Ask them to send you or provide you with a, with a copy of the signature card so that you can review it, see who you've designated, if anyone. Right. <laughs> and then you can leave yeah. it that way if you're okay with it, or you can change it if you want to change it. You can change your beneficiary designation at any time. You're not, it's not in stone. Hmm. So anytime you want to, you can redo that form, submit it to the third party, and they will recognize it as the, you know, the current beneficiary. Okay, so let's say nothing is set in place for me. I have no beneficiary on my account and something were to happen. What happens to that? I mean, it, it goes to the state and the state worries about, then they, then they decide where it goes, right? But Not I mean, really. <laughs> Not no? quite. It okay. doesn't I was quite really hoping that, that wouldn't be true. <laughs> that sounds right. terrible. Yeah. It doesn't go to the state. And that goes back to the point I was trying to make earlier is that the state of Texas is not going to get your assets. What happens if you don't have a beneficiary designation in place is that that is the exception to the general rule that these type of assets pass outside of your will. They only pass outside of your will if you have the beneficiary designation. If you don't, and oftentimes people don't, under those particular circumstances, that's when your will controls the asset. So if something happens to you right now, let's say you have a bank account with Chase and you don't have a beneficiary designated, your will controls who gets the money in that bank account. Because since you haven't designated a third person to be a beneficiary, it's going to go to your estate. It would be paid to your estate. Right. And so that's how your will gets to control the distribution of it. So we're up for a break. Everyone, please stay tuned. We've got more to come on It's the Law with Kathy Rue. Stay tuned. More of It's the Law next on RNCN. Hey, this is Jean Burke with College Prep Genius. Colleges go up on their rankings because of test scores. When your student has a great score, they can get free college. I am giving away my 15 secrets to free college. Go to my website, collegeprepgenius.com. Click on 15 secrets to free college and use the code radio. You're going to learn the secret 
formula that colleges use to get you free college. So again, that's www.collegeprepgenius.com. For America's wounded warriors, coming home can sometimes be a battle in itself. Making the transition back to civilian life or active duty with a traumatic injury can be the challenge of a lifetime. The USO provides every American a way to support our wounded warriors and their families through every phase of their medical treatment and rehabilitation. It's how all of us, as a community, can give something back to our heroes. It's how we can say thank you and assure them that their sacrifice is recognized and appreciated by every one of us. Join us. Visit USO.org to learn how you can make a difference in the lives of our wounded warriors and their families. The USO. Until everyone comes home. Hi, this is Andrew Sabo, Vice President of Symphion. I'm responsible for the marketing for Symphion's Information as a Service. We have a particular focus on hospitals and healthcare organizations because they are particularly vulnerable to cyber security risks. The average patient record is worth $363 on the black market. Symphion's Information as a Service gathers intelligence on your print fleet or your Windows-based devices in such a way they can identify and audit the security settings of each device. We're able to deliver that information in a concierge style to the appropriate parties so they can take their cybersecurity plan to a whole nother level. For more information, give us a call today at 214-522-4000 or visit us on the web at Symphion.com. That's S-Y-M-P-H-I-O-N.com. Symphion, the unparalleled value of innovation in action. In recent months, some have lost faith and trust in those who protect us. Frustration has blurred our vision, but we've faced challenges before. Operation Blue Shield is a new movement to help communities have productive conversations directly with law enforcement and first responders to listen and heal. I'm all in. I'm all in. We're all in. Stand united with us at OperationBlueShield.com. This time, it's for all of us. Hi, I'm Jasmine Dodson, and I am an attorney with Dodson Legal Group. I manage the family law, civil litigation, and estate planning divisions of the firm. Five years ago, I ended up joining the practice because I really wanted to get involved with people and help them make the decisions that are going to affect the rest of their lives. We want to make our clients feel comfortable. We want to make them feel welcome. And we want them to understand that they can trust us with their case. Find us on the web at www.dodsonlegal.com. Give us a call at 469-317-3330. You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio. You're listening to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We're here today on this cloudy Monday, but we're having fun here in the studio with It's the Law. This is my first radio show for my law firm. So I'm very excited to be talking to all of you today. And I hope you're enjoying the show. And I hope you'll call in or email 
with questions. I have Kevin Ebling here with me today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here for your first show. It's a pleasure to have you, because Kevin. you're being modest. You said the first, this isn't your first jab at radio. I mean, you and I have been on radio for years. This That's is just true. your first, yeah. This is my first full your, show. Your show, yeah. Yes. We've also got Zach Lewis here. And Thanks Zach for is, me. you're welcome. Thanks for being <laughs> here, Zach. We're having a lot of fun here today talking about estate planning. And when we left, we were discussing what happens if you don't have a beneficiary designation in place and how that affects the distribution of your estate. And basically what we determined is that that's the exception to the general rule that your will doesn't control those type of assets. But if you don't have a beneficiary designation, then your will does control those assets. Now, what happens if you don't have a will? That's the big question. And it does not go to the state. That's, <laughs> that's one thing we, we can clarify that. That is correct. It won't go to the state even if you don't have a will. So if you don't have a beneficiary designation and you don't have a will, uh, what happens is the state laws of Texas will determine who your heirs are and will determine how those assets are distributed. So You've got three situations that could possibly happen. As um, you, as, as a person gets older, say into you know you're a little bit worried. Maybe you're you're in your fifties. What kind of changes or modifications do you need to make as you get older throughout the different phases of your life? Yeah, that's a great question, and I do get that question a bit. And that sort of transition transitions us into elder law. Basically, because my parents were asking me some of this stuff, and I'm yeah. like, Kathy's the expert. You got to ask her about that. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that is what I do. And basically, what's going to happen is you want to start planning more for long term care because, and and we're all headed this way. This will all happen to us eventually. But as we age, we deteriorate, and we start developing systemic illnesses, and we are in need of long-term care, whether it's medication, whether it's skilled nursing, whether it's assisted living. And so what you want to do is examine your estate, go through your assets, and find out how am I going to plan for the end of my life for the remaining years that I have, and as much as possible, maintain the quality of life that I've become accustomed to. So that's where that comes into play. And so you want to look at what assets you want to keep and which ones you can liquidate possibly to live off of, or, you know, how are you going to preserve as much of your estate as possible to leave on for your children? So those are some of the questions that, you know, you want to plan for and you want to look at and give yourself some time. Probably when you start becoming, probably when you enter that 50-year range, 50 to 60s, that's when you really want to start looking at that planning seriously. Are there other options that are similar to a power of attorney, but not quite the same? Not really. I mean, you have the medical power of attorney. That's one we didn't talk about. And that's one of the four core documents. And you definitely want to have that document in place because that sets up an agent to uh, make medical decisions for you if you're unable to make them for yourself. For example, let's say you're unconscious or you're because of your illness or your injury, the doctor has determined that you're incapacitated, meaning that, you know, you can't understand uh, your medical condition. You can't understand the options that you're presented with. So you, you're not able to make the decisions. And so in that case, you would have an agent in place who can consult with the doctor make the decisions on your behalf, and that 
is what that document is for, and, and it's really needed. What if that had happened, though, and then the person that you selected, something happened to them, and you don't know about it because maybe you're in a, have a chronic illness or something like that? Yeah, that's a good question, and that's part of your planning, too. You always want to put a successor agent in place because oftentimes— so Yes, <laughs> you want to have a backup. Oh. <laughs> There's a second and third string. This true. Yes, yeah. that's true. You always want to have a backup, somebody you can pull off the bench and <laughs> put right. into the game. Yeah, a pinch hitter, as it <laughs> Yes, were. because that happens sometimes. Sometimes the person—sometimes you prepare these documents, and nothing happens to you for years. And then something happens, and your your agents or your family is required to pull out these documents and begin using them. And so during that time, other people's lives change too. They become ill, they move away, they marry, they divorce. And so maybe at the point that agent is needed to act, they are either ill themselves or they just, for whatever reason, for whatever's going on in their lives, they don't want the responsibility. They feel they're not up to making these decisions for you. So you definitely, when you're creating these documents, you want to put your first choice as your agent and then also have a backup, a successor agent. And you want to do that for your financial power of attorney. You want to do it for your medical power of attorney. You can put more than one successor agent. You can put two or three if you choose. So there's not a limit on it. But what the critical thing to remember when you're choosing your agents is that you want to choose someone that you trust. And for your financial power of attorney, you want to choose someone who's good at making financial decisions, who's very business-minded. For your medical power of attorney, you want to choose someone who is going to follow your wishes, not what they think the decision should be, but what you would want the decision to be. That's right. really important. And yeah. that you can trust them to do that. Right. And it's so, tough to make that distinction sometimes, yeah, I think. So the medical power of attorney, is that where you would get like a do not resuscitate kind of clause? No. What is it with you and the DNR yeah. thing? I'm curious. I apologize. <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying I'm trying to we, draw relatable <laughs> things for a young guy like me. You, you know? don't you don't carry an orange DNR card. I do wrong. not. Okay, I, am or, I am an organ donor though. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I got that going for me. I'm not. No, you're not. No. You're selfish. No. So <laughs> <laughs> Nor would I ever donate my body to science. No, you wouldn't do that. I hate the thought of like my spleen falls out on the floor and no. a couple of college kids have a few laughs or something. <laughs> no. like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think the thought of that. But if you so. don't take care of these documents, that might happen to you anyway. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. right. That's it's right. True. It could. It could. So, so with the DNR, DNR is do not resuscitate. That You're correct with that. You Generally, attorneys don't do those in our office. Those are done by the medical profession. Really? So you would have to contact your doctor or the hospital and they have the forms there. And they will do the DNR forms either in the doctor's office or at the hospital or at the medical facility you're at. We don't do those in our office. And and basically, you just indicate what your preference is. Do you want to be resuscitated? Do you want them to try to survive, um, revive you using all means? Or do you not want to be resuscitated if you code? Do you want them to just let you code and pass peaceably? Sure. So th those are your choices. And um, I've had a couple of people ask me about those, but we don't do those in our office. Good to know. Now, for organ donation, there's a form we can do organ donation, or there are several agencies you can do it through. For example, Southwest Medical Center has a program where you can donate your organs to them and or donate your body to them um, for scientific study. You can donate through the state of Texas, through the Department of Motor Vehicles on your driver's license. You can, you know, make an indication there that you want to donate your organs. Uh, there's other uh, medical 
organizations that you can use to donate your organs or for, again, scientific study. So you've got some options there. I would, I would consider the organ donation thing. I mean, nobody probably wants my liver, but the rest of me is still pretty young and healthy. <laughs> the rest um, of me is all right. But I have a question. When it comes to making these kind of plans with DNR and that kind of stuff, do, there, does religion never factor in when people are making these kind of decisions? Sometimes it does. And, you know, that's the person's choice. I mean, that's the client's choice to follow their religious decisions. And that's the critical component of estate planning. That's the whole reason you plan. Because if you have certain wishes and you have certain ways in your mind that you want things carried out, you want your body donated, you don't want it donated, you want a traditional burial, you're okay with cremation. That's the whole purpose of these documents is to set you up so that you get to say while you're here and you still can rationally express your wishes, you get to put it in a document that's enforceable, that's legal, and you get to say what your wishes are. And then you get to say who you want to carry out those wishes because you get to appoint your agents and they're charged with carrying out the document. So in this planning, I can be very specific with what, not that I'm planning for my inevitable demise or anything. However, <laughs> if I've always thought, you know, like, once I pass away, I, I don't want anyone to see me, you know, and there be any kind of viewing or anything like that. That's something that I could specify. Like nobody, nobody sees me. Yes, you certainly I, could. Okay, that's you right. I, I want to make sure. I want to make there's no, there's no yeah, way. I don't want anyone coming in. I, I, I don't just want to be cremated and nobody looking at me. Yeah, like, I don't know if I should define that as like just selfish or you don't want your, your other well, family members I'm, to worry I'm about it. I'm not here or? anymore. I don't need people to see this show. I know, show but I mean, come me. on. You're like, when I, when I die, I don't want anybody to see me that's ever. True. I don't, I don't want anyone absurd. to see me. I don't want them to see my liver. Yeah. I don't want anyone to see me. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want the coroner to see me. Yeah, I mean, come on. No, I just meant anyone who knew me as a living person, I don't want to see me. You don't want on fire and be done with that's you. That's it, yeah. <laughs> All right, you're, you're a closed scatter casket my, Scatter my ashes guy. in All the right. ocean or something. I get that. You know. That's fine. I'm a no-casket kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you can do in a situation like that is um, there is a form. It's called uh, Disposition of Remains, and it is a legal document. And you can fill out that document and in particular say exactly what you've expressed here, that upon my demise, I I just want to be cremated. I don't want a viewing. I don't want anybody to see me. I don't, you don't need to bring me to the coroner's office. Just cremate my body and scatter my ashes wherever you'd like them scattered. And then I pick, if I selected my younger brother as my agent, he makes sure that happens. Yes, that's a separate form, but you would also appoint an agent for disposition of remains. And he's legally charged with that duty. And it's that document is enforceable under Texas law. So the Texas Health and Safety Code provides for that document. And so you can say you can be as elaborate as you want. You can be as general as you want. My suggestion is that you talk to your brother first. Right. <laughs> or whoever <laughs> you're going to make your agent. I don't know who that's actually who yes. I pick. I mean, he's a little absent-minded. But well, just ouch. to make sure, you know, you want to make sure that the agent is okay with your wishes and that they agree to carry them out. Right. That's important. And you want to make sure that, you know, there's, depending on how elaborate your wishes are, you want to make sure that there's money available to carry them out because you don't want to leave your family with a financial burden of having to dispose of your remains. So... Those are things to think about and consider. We're up for another break. This is so much fun. Please stay with us through the break and come back. We've got much more content to talk about. It's the law with Kathy Rue. 
providing you her will and testament for good radio. You're tuned in to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. The world of real estate moves fast and technology needs to be able to keep up with it. If agents and home buyers aren't able to communicate in real time, opportunities can swiftly be missed. With Locator, the communication gap has finally been bridged. Hi, I'm David Mays, co-founder of Locator. I've been a real estate broker for the past 10 years and came from the frustration of buyers not being able to reach agents instantaneously. So that's what we created on demand. Potential buyers now have the ability to immediately connect with a nearby agent, making the home buying process quick, easy, and convenient. Real Locator is free to download. Just grab your smartphone, open the app, see available agents in your area, and connect instantaneously. Real Locator is also the perfect tool for any real estate professional. For real estate professionals, it's a lead generating monster because you know you could be at the office doing paperwork and you're gonna be able to generate these leads in real time. Download your free version of Real Locator on the Apple iTunes Store today or visit the website at www.reallocator.com. When it comes to bullying, don't validate, eliminate. Adults have the power to stop bullying in our schools. I'm Dennis Van Roekel, president of the National Education Association. It's up to us as educators, as parents, as adults, to stand up on behalf of bullied kids. Help us create safe, bully-free learning environments for all students. One caring adult can make all the difference. Be that adult and take the pledge at nea.org slash bullyfree. A message from the National Education Association. Hi, I'm Graham, inventor of the Sneak Guard. Our homes are full of adventurous snoopers. They go through everything until they find something they like. Children, roommates, babysitters, teens, pets, you name it. Snoopers are everywhere. Sneak Guard is the world's first purpose-built locking vacuum storage container designed to protect snoopers from the unintended ingestion of medications and more. Safe, responsible storage. Available now at sneakguard.com. S-N-E-A-K-G-U-A-R-D.com. I remember the moment. I remember the moment. I'll never forget that moment. As long as I live. As long as I live. A storage tank ruptured, and for miles, chemicals were pushing up against the riverbanks. This was a big, big deal, and it was going to have a serious impact on communities up and down the river. I remember the moment this local guy came up to me and said, they call the guard out for this stuff? You probably thought we were all about hurricanes, tornadoes, fighting Mother Nature. Hey, it's a chemical spill. It's a disaster. It affects the water supply, threatens wildlife. We're talking about the health of entire communities and people's livelihoods. You bet we're ready for these kinds of things. We were out there with booms to prevent the spill from expanding. We were responsible for protecting and monitoring the sensitive wetlands. I also remember the moment that same guy came up to me and said, I don't know what we would have done if they hadn't called the guard up. Learn more about how you can protect your friends, families, neighbors, and the environment. Everything that makes up your community. Go to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Texas National Guard. Aired by the Texas Association of Broadcasters and this station. You're listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio. You're tuned in to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to It's the Law with Kathy Rue. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. We are having a lot of fun here in the studio for my first show. I've got Kevin Ebling with me and Zach Lewis. Thank you so much. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you for being here with me. And we are talking about estate planning, which actually we've been having some really good laughs about. <laughs> Believe it or not, it, it can and be a funny topic. We've been talking about Kevin's liver. I'm a lighthearted guy, all right? <laughs> right. 
So I wanted to. My ask, liver is black, but my my your, your <laughs> heart. You, know, you, you got a like, heart of gold. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted I wanted to ask. We've talked about um, you know your will, uh, your medical power of attorney, and. Oh my gosh, the name's escaping me on the other one. But yeah, we've got financial power financial of attorney. Power attorney. That's it. And financial. the physician's directive. That one's critical too. Don't forget about right, that. Right. The one. physician's directive. That's what I wanted to ask you about in this segment. So so what do I need to know about that? So with the physician's directive, that is a document that determines what your decisions are if you have one of two conditions, either a terminal illness or an irreversible condition. And in those specific circumstances, you get to say do you want life-sustaining treatment, which is any type of medical treatment that's by artificial means? It could be intravenous feed, you know, it could be intravenous fluids, it could be a feeding tube, it could be dialysis, it's just any type of artificial life-sustaining treatment. Or um, do you want to just be made comf- comfortable and allowed to pass gently? So those are your two options. And, you know, it's a legal document. You fill it out. You say, if I have a terminal illness, I choose one or two. If I have an irreversible condition, I choose one or two. So you get to make those decisions. And that's really important, too, because if something were to happen to you, it, in, in my humble opinion, it's very helpful for your family members if you have expressed your wishes, because then... They are just following your wishes. They're not making the true decision. Right. They're not the one making the judgment call as to what type of treatment you should receive. You've already put it down in writing. You've already said, this. if this happens to me, this is what I want. And so then it's just a matter of them carrying that out as opposed to them being burdened with ha- and, and just emotionally wrought over what do I do in this situation, which is, is very it's very burdensome. It's, it's of course. very um, yeah, no, heart-wrenching. Is, absolutely. It's possible, yeah, you could pick an agent who's much more distraught than you anticipated. Right. And you just don't know. Now, this is That's a, true. And then your agent winds up being in that situation, yeah, too, with yeah. you. Um, this is assuming, of course, in the case of terminal illness, that you are rendered unconscious or un- unable to make your own decisions. For example, if you're given... Uh, if, if, if you're diagnosed with something like, like cancer, but you're obviously still up and about because they say, hey, you only have this much time left, you're still able to make decisions for yourself. Well, you are. Even but though you are given, you know, if it's not mentally debilitated. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, you don't have to be incapacitated for the physician's directive to take effect. I mean, if you're, if you, if you're, for example, if you're suffering with cancer, you mm-hmm. can still be very conscious and very aware, but. As you slowly are, you know, deteriorating, sure. you've got that document in place that tells your family, you know, this is the treatment that I want. This is, I, I just want to be made comfortable and I would like to pass gently. I don't want to be revived. I don't want support, uh, life support. I don't want any uh, medical treatment by artificial means. And so that just gives your family some guidance, more importantly than giving your family guidance, it gives your medical provider guidance because it tells your medical provider how much intervention they should perform on you given your medical condition. Right. So it, it's a critical document to have in place. It's one of the four core documents. 
again, I, and I can't stress this enough, every adult should have it. If you don't have it, you should get one as soon as you can. Of course. And this one's important because in some cases it may be more immediate than the others. You know, your will is, is after the fact. This, yeah. this may be leading up towards. Yes. And I know we've talked about how the laws of the state of Texas will, you know, distribute your state, determine who your heirs are. And that's good and fine. I mean, that's a great thing that the, the state has those laws in place. But the optimal conditions or situation is that you have your estate planning documents in place because it's easier for your family. It's your wishes. You're getting to say how you want your estate distributed. So all the way around, it's better if you have these documents in place. And it doesn't take a lot of time. And it's not ridiculously expensive. Um, you can get a simple will anywhere from 200 to about 500 bucks just for a simple will. You can get a physician's directive done, uh, power of attorney, uh, medical power of attorney, financial power of attorney for about 50 bucks each. Mm -hmm. So it's not a situation where these documents are cost prohibitive. They're right. not. You can find uh, an attorney who will draft these documents and execute them for you at a very affordable cost. So you shouldn't let the cost deter you. And you can even go, if you can't, if you truly can't afford to pay for them at all, you can contact Legal Aid of Northwest Texas. They have wills clinics. Um, they will help, you know, get these documents prepared and drafted for you. Wow. So there's, there's options out there. You just, you have to investigate. You can find them. And it's better if you have the documents in place than if you don't. Of course, and, and I assume none of these are like uh, like signing up for insurance through your through your company or anything. There's no window. You can go sign up. You can go do this at any time. Yes, and you can change it if you execute a will this year, and then your life changes. You get a divorce. You move out of state. Uh, one of the, your beneficiaries passes away before you do. You can change the documents. They're not written in stone. They are legal as long as they exist and until you revoke them. But you can revoke them at any time by changing them. You can even do a codicil, which is an amendment to your will where you don't have to redo the entire will. So there's lots of options. You should consult an estate planning attorney. Feel free to give me a call. My office number is 817-874-8877. You can also visit my website at www.kathyrulaw.com. And you can send me an email at uh, Kathy at Kathy com, And I'm happy to make an appointment and talk to you about your estate planning. Now, Kathy, I was just want to say, as your producer, we only have a couple of minutes left. Can I make a request for yes, a topic? Yes, you can. <laughs> okay, so. Go right ahead. At, at as one long time, as it's not about your liver. No, <laughs> we're done with that. I'm not doing estate planning on your liver, episode. Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. Can I got a trust right. on my, uh, okay, um, on the life <laughs> of my liver. Uh at one time, we all were over at uh, 1190, and in our transitioning here to the new network, Kathy's first visit to the building, there was, <laughs> there was an incident. An incident. Yes, that you want me to tell my listeners, my wonderful listeners, about my uh, incident. It's such a good story. I it's have, a good story. Yes, all of these good stories. Zach, you're directly involved in this. I am. If you guys tune in regularly, you'll get to hear about a lot of good stories that <laughs> yeah. happened to me. Shenanigans <laughs> and, and with such. me. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I had never been to this building before. I'd never been to this location. This was my first time coming to this location. And I, uh, the outside of the building, like right in the front of the building, there's a circular um, parking. It's like a roundabout. And you can park on the outside of the circle. So I did. I parked on the outside of the circle. And I had to cross the circle to come into the building. Right. And as I was, was crossing the building, guess what else I was doing? 
Texting and walking. Yeah. Uh, it happens to the best <laughs> of us. It's true. So I've got my head down. I've got my phone in my hand. I'm walking across the, the roundabout. And out of nowhere, this the, the ground literally opened up. Beneath <laughs> and you. Beneath me. And I wound up stepping into a storm drain. Uh, rotated my ankle. Went down. <laughs> Ouch. fell ouch and dropped my phone into the storm drain into the abyss right. yes into the dark <laughs> into the abyss dark, it yes. went it was swallowed by the black hole now your ankle is okay my ankle's fine i was very very fortunate and this is why i exercise my ankle was fine i yeah. rode my ankle but i was able to get back up and continue walking and i had on high heel shoes so i was very fortunate in that respect but um, I thought my phone was lost forever. She, she considered it a casualty. I she did. came in here like, well, like, that oh, phone's well, gone. Yeah. Forget you, it. Yeah, you're very cavalier <laughs> I, I about it. I kind of thought so, I'm too. Like, <laughs> I'm like, well, you're never getting that back. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, there's my phone. I guess I'll have to go to Sprint and get a new phone. Um, just, <laughs> I just thought it was gone forever because it went down a storm drain. So I came into the studio, started talking to Kevin and Zach, explained to them <laughs> what happened. They were just champions. They immediately rose to the occasion, went into action, Developed a plan and got my phone back. Well, Zach was. He's like, I'm going to take care of this. And in my head, I'm like, Yeah, what's he going to do? He's not going to. Oh, I was it. thinking the same thing. <laughs> no way he's I, yeah, but uh, but he be- didn't let it show. Yeah, believe it or <laughs> no, not, yeah. it, it happened. It really happened. Yeah. Um, he went into action immediately. He was like, oh, no, we're, we're going to get your phone back. And so he did. He contacted building maintenance. Um, they went downstairs, and they were able to retrieve my phone out of the Undamaged. storm drain. Yeah. Undamaged. Magnets and flashlights and doohickeys and what's a majigs I mean, yes. it was incredible. Yes. So they got my phone back. Uh, I still have the same phone today. It's still working, and happy to have it. Thankful to Kevin and Zach. Thanks. For more information on It's the Law with Kathy Rue, visit us online at kathyrulaw.com or email Kathy at kathy at kathyrulaw.com and visit us on Facebook and Twitter. destination for premium talk radio hi i'm danny o'connell i'm partner at benefit resource group a family-owned boutique insurance agency brg is one of the leading boutique agencies here in dallas fort worth our mission is to add value to our clients and employees lives through creative insurance solutions when you start going upstream to a regional or even a national type provider the decisions over who they're going to work with and where they're going to place their business is decided around a boardroom a lot of times they're not always aligning with the best service provider in the space that you actually need numerous times they've already made an agreement and that service provider may take for granted the service that they actually have to deliver to the client in the end and they may not always be the best in your area or for your situation being a boutique we are independent we have the flexibility to go out and find the right solution specific to you it's always a good time to sit down and speak with one of our agents you can reach us at 214-750-7557 and you can find us on the web at brg-tx.com Hi, this is John Bon Jovi asking you to go to serve.gov to get involved in something you believe in. I'm a big believer in the power of we. 
we can tackle the tough challenges we face and build community through service and volunteering. The reality is, we're all in this together. It's time for you to raise your hand and make a difference. United we stand, united we serve. How will you raise your hand when they call your name? Are you with me? We weren't born to follow. Come on Go to serve.gov for more information about how to volunteer in your community. This message is brought to you by United We Serve and the Corporation for National and Community Service. You ignore the signs, so you enable. You don't want to alienate your child, so you enable. But if you think they're trying drugs, you shouldn't be afraid. You're the parent. So you are able. And we can help. So you are able. Get help at drugfree.org. Partnership for a Drug-Free America Texas Alliance. You're listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio.